The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists. Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that healthcare has to truly become consumer first, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 180 episodes in three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about learning to distinguish reliability people from validity people. What happens when we say the right thing to the wrong crowd? I'll talk about that. Then Zane is back in the house to share some provocative thinking about some of the latest headlines from consumer brands offering new health services. We'll dive deep into our takes on news from CrossFit, Best Buy, Walmart, and more. This episode is jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Saying the right thing to the wrong crowd might cause you to question whether you're the crazy one. I had an epiphany about a year ago. Ever since 2014, when I first left the comfort of a nine to five job and ventured out into the world as a consultant with no safety net, I've been preaching the gospel of disruption. Back then I'd been inspired by books like The Patient Will See You Now by Dr. Eric Topol and Digital Disruption by Forrester's James McQuivy. Through the influence of these and many other thought leaders, I was able to see the big changes on the horizon at the intersection of healthcare and big tech. I understood for the first time the vision of what people were calling consumerism. I thought it was a funny word, but I understood that healthcare was headed in a new direction and that the organizations that embraced it early would have an advantage. So I wrote a lot. I podcasted a lot. I spoke and presented a lot. After a while, people could start to guess what my topic would be. And come on, wouldn't everyone share my excitement? I mean, we are hearing new stories about the healthcare system, like how tech was enabling patients to have more control over their health data, how social media was democratizing medical relationships, and how online reviews were allowing patients for the first time to know how other patients felt about their experience with a certain provider. When I re-entered the W-2 world, as we 1099ers like to say, I expected that those years of research, consulting, and forming frameworks would be seen as an asset in my new role, where I was standing up tech platforms and a data strategy for a digital marketing team. This would be awesome, right? I was going to help them reach patients in a better way and help families lead healthier and happier lives, all while helping them achieve their growth goals. Why wouldn't everyone be excited about that? Well, I'll spare you the soap opera. But let's just say that not everyone was always receptive to that line of thought. One defeating boardroom conversation at a time, I began to learn my lesson. People are resistant to change. 
even when the change is good for them and good for other people. People talk a lot about tech, but most of the time they don't really understand it. In fact, they fear it. They'd much rather find out what someone else is doing and just copy it. Fast forward a couple years later to 2020. There I was back in 1099 land. My favorite place, by the way, you should try it sometime. And I was back to my old habits, writing, speaking, and podcasting a lot about the promise of making healthcare more consumer first. And I noticed something. There were two distinct types of reactions to my content. In emoji speak, I'd get either a hundred or a facepalm. And while it bothered me at first, I learned that this was happening because I was speaking to two different audiences, reliability people and validity people. These are soon used terms. Soon's the author of Iconic Advantage, and he said that corporations are filled with reliability people who rely on what's already proven and their jobs to do it better. Validity people, on the other hand, are people like us who are looking for new truths and how to validate them. So what I didn't realize at the time was that sometimes I was saying the right things to the wrong crowd. So I started shifting the focus of my content. Instead of trying to speak to both, I doubled down on reaching the validity people, or the innovation champions as I've started referring to those of you who share my worldview, that the best thing that healthcare can do is to figure out how to be more consumer first, how to truly understand, engage with, and design and build for consumers. And ever since I did that, the response has been overwhelming. And I learned that I'm a validity person through and through, and that we need more of us in healthcare. So if you're questioning whether you're saying the right things, maybe try saying them to a different crowd and see how the conversation changes. We need your ideas. We need you to share those ideas. That's another way we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Well, Zane, holy cow, a lot has been happening in the news lately. So first and foremost, how have you been lately? Good. Um, hanging in there. It's been actually great weather in Detroit, so we're excited about that. It hasn't felt too much like fall or even winter yet. But you're right, holy smokes, like every other day, it seems like me and my colleagues are just glued to the press releases reading about you know what Disruptor is going to do what today. And so it's really an uh, interesting time to be in healthcare coming out of this pandemic. For sure. And I don't want to, you know, neglect the thought of that used to be, hey, the we- the weather's pretty good here in Windsor. And so to be yeah, able right. to say, hey, here in Detroit, that's uh, that's got to be a pretty cool thing going on there for you. Yeah, I'm enjoying my time now, you know, fully moved into the city of Detroit, even though I spent a lot of time here. But yeah, it's fun. Nice. Right on, right on. Why don't we do this today? Let's go through some of these headlines that have been crossing our feeds and just offer our takes on a few different things. And there are a ton of them, so why don't we dive right in? These are all announcements from either players within healthcare. Uh, Most of them are consumer brands, though, and retail brands, not even necessarily big tech. Like, this is, these are other players. And we'll get to some themes along that, but these are some of the headlines that we've talked a little bit about. The first one comes from CrossFit. Really interesting. Uh, The article I'm reading is the one in Men's Health about CrossFit's new precision care primary care service. And the headline is CrossFit's new service will train doctors to provide data-driven healthcare. And it's about a new service that they're using for data-driven healthcare. It says they announced their latest venture. It's called CrossFit Precision Care, a new boutique healthcare service that looks to pair doctors who receive additional training from the company with patients who live and breathe CrossFit. And then eventually, if all goes according to plan, everyone else 
very interesting wording there. <laughs> uh, they said the goal is to provide users with access to highly individualized healthcare with an emphasis on specialized testing and an emphasis on biometric data markers that you wouldn't likely find from your average general practitioner. So interesting there. They, they go on to talk about kind of what that means. And there was a, one of the quotes I thought was interesting from the CrossFit, uh, from their CEO, Eric Rosa. He talked about kind of the disillusionment of primary care doctors themselves. So I think this is a, a part of the puzzle, but he talked about how so many doctors feel alienated from their profession and, st and stressed out. He said they don't feel any connectivity with their patients because yeah. they have such a huge caseload because of the way insurance works. So yeah. a part of this offering, he said, is we've got all these doctors in the CrossFit community who believe in what CrossFit can do inside the gym. So he's interested in building a network of direct primary care physicians that are inspired by the experience in the CrossFit gym. So what's your reaction and your commentary? Like, what's your thought on this announcement? Well, my first reaction is a, a selfish one, and that is called it. I think for a <laughs> while on this podcast, we have been heralding the advent of the connection between healthcare proper and you know the fitness, lifestyle, and wellness industry. And here's like, here's the first one. And I think there are many to come. I think it's fantastic. Like I don't do CrossFit. But I would love to see a day where like there's an actual primary care provider within the gym that I go to. I think it's coming. It's only a matter of time before like an LA fitness or a lifetime fitness, which is like a super premium gym. Not sure if they're out your way. They're out this way here in Michigan. Only a matter of time till that happens. And it makes total sense because these places are, first of all, approachable. They're in a known location, you know, where where patients, so to speak, are going sometimes every day, every other day, and they're housed within a community. Sort of like when you think of the old school doctor that went to make rounds, you know, you know, the, the doctor in the little town, little village, we're starting to see that again through the blending of, you know, direct to consumer, through the blending of direct primary care. And now we're bringing that all into like the fitness space and connecting people in places where we wouldn't normally expect. I do you know, want to touch on what you said, like this trend is like, it's like a two pronged approach. So it's not just that consumers are changing, but phys physicians themselves. And so, you know, the article is absolutely right. When you practice primary care or family medicine within, you know, a traditional incumbent health system, I'm not sure that you're practicing as much as you're like sprinting. Like you maybe have 20 minutes with a patient, you have like a 2000 to 2500 panel size, you know, meaning you see that many patients a year, which breaks down to a really, really busy day. And, and it breaks down into a day where you may not actually have a whole lot of time to really build those connections with your patients, you know, actually help them talk to them about all the actual issues they have. And so that's why direct primary care is growing because people want to actually have a relationship with their doctors and, and not, not within a health system where they have to go drive, pay 20 bucks to park, find it. They want it to be at the grocery store, at the gym, where they already go. And then, you know, I think anyone can see the alignment between, you know, your clinical fitness and then your actual fitness. You know, surely if we want to optimize the way we look and feel, you know, part of that is the exercise we do, but it's also, you know, taking a deeper look and having the perspective of clinician to give you opinions on how best to train yourself. And so I think it's awesome. Match made in heaven, told you so. 
You did. You did. You called it. And I think you're going to keep calling it. Like you said, this is just the the next one. Let's call more stuff. So the next thing that we will see for sure is going to be mirror. So Lululemon purchased mirror, which is that, that real expensive, sexy mirror that goes on your wall that trains you how to work out at some point, that thing's going to start to deliver telehealth. I'm sure of it. Peloton will get into this space. I'm almost sure of it. Who else? Look to those two brands. I think for sure you'll see some big announcements in the next year or so. And we'll come, we'll come back and have an episode to say that we called it. Yeah, I agree. It's just the beginning. And you know, when I look at why would we think that it's just going to keep going, I don't think sure. it's just because of the strength of the CrossFit brand in this case. A couple other things that were interesting about that, at least the announcement. Again, we'll see how how all these players play out in the space. But sure. I think it's intriguing. They they talk about how doctors and health coaches from this new precision care unit, they they'll use precision genomic profiles and biomarkers to help each person plan how to protect and improve their own health. And so they say the result is a fully personalized and comprehensive health optimization plan. Interesting wording again, like, like wording matters. It'll cover diet, sleep, exercise, chronic disease risk, and other areas. Actually, you know what? That's a really good point. And so as we see this macro trend happen, so the the blending of clinical care and fitness, the next sub thing that's going to happen is everything you just talked about around genomics, pharmacogenetics. And a lot of those, the disruptors and companies that work in that space right now are are yet to be found. They're kind of new insurances don't really pay for them. And so coming through a direct primary care model, that's all brand, that's all salesy, and that's all not taking insurance. It certainly opens it up to those companies to now have a stake in the game. And then also, you know, when you think about the profile of people that do CrossFit, who like, at least anyone that I know that does CrossFit, you know, really wants to optimize their body. They're super focused on what goes in, what goes out, how they work out. They certainly would be early adopters in pharmacogenetic testing and other genetic testing. Even if the evidence isn't completely out there that it actually works, they're going to be early adopters. And I think they're going to start to push that subset of the industry, so to speak, and prove it out for other parts, other more traditional clinical care models uh, for the rest of the industry. So more to come. I agree. I think the partnerships part is one of the most intriguing. Another one of the aspects of this announcement and kind of my last point of commentary on this one is the thought of having something in common between the doctors and the patients. At least, again, this is just from the announcement, from the from the press clippings and from the earned media they've gotten for this announcement. But if all goes according to plan, it sounds like you have CrossFit trained doctors who, who participate in CrossFit fitness themselves who who are already members of a CrossFit gym or own one. And so they've already seen this link between somebody's health optimization plan, you know, the wording that they're using there. And I think there's something to be said for having an affinity between the doctor and the patient. I see this as being a trend, like kind of a sneaky trend. I think it's one reason why this could work, you know, and I, I can't help but think why? Well, we naturally trust people who have something in common with us. Like no one can deny that. No one can get around that. Uh, you naturally trust somebody who has anything in common with you. And even if it's like one single worldview. Yep. And so that thought of like, are there other types of communities? And I don't, sure. I don't know why this one comes to mind, but like the gaming community, like yeah. there are different needs for somebody who is admittedly, you know, sedentary 
for long periods of time in a row, but then you still have to figure out how to optimize your own health. Like there are probably unique things. I'm kind of spitballing, but there are probably unique things about being a gamer that affect your health and that some gamers have figured out how to kind of hack their way through that or, or kind of fitness into their lives in a different way. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like, I don't, you know, is it church communities, like regional communities, neighborhoods, but anything else that you have in common with people, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the source of other new health offerings in the future. Just, just something. 100%. I'm totally agree. And the beauty of that is within those affinity groups, you can certainly build a trusting relationship between a patient and provider which hopefully will lead to better health outcomes. Because how many patients do we know? Maybe your grandma, maybe your aunt, maybe your grandpa that never listens to the doctor, right? But if your doctor was like your buddy that you go in, I don't know, throw axes with, I think the likelihood of you listening to his treatment plan could increase. Another one that immediately comes up to mind is the wonders you know, that happen when you know, affirming providers, so LGBTQ-friendly providers who are comfortable you know, sharing their own, whether it be gender identity or sexual preferences in a meeting or sorry, with the patient you know, who might identify as gay or lesbian or transgendered or whatnot, that, you know, has, has, has shown wonders of value um, in serving that community as well. And so I think it's both affinity groups and then also like stigmatized groups. And there's obviously a whole list of those that we'll see this trend play out in for sure. For sure. For sure. That's a great way to kind of connect this as well. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. Okay, so let's roll right into our next story here because I, I, I think there's some ties here, quite frankly, with what we were just talking about. But the next one we're going to talk about is Best Buy and their acquisition of Current Health. And the interesting part about this, so the article I'm reading for these guys is in Med City News, is by our friend Elise Reuter, October 12th. So it just came out, this is just days ago. And it talks about how, like, this isn't the first healthcare related acquisition for Best Buy. 
they've had a string of recent acquisitions. They've been building out their health business and they have a focus on consumer technology and support for seniors. So now this acquisition of current health is showing that they're making a bet on the demand for remote patient monitoring. And the article talks about they first raised their eyebrows when they bought Great Call for $800 million. And now they're taking that a step further. So current health is a remote monitoring startup. And the thought is that they have a platform that can pull in information from connected devices, such as your blood pressure cuff or scales, and pair that information with patient-reported systems. So they talked about, the article points out, a startup that, a partnership that was struck between Current Health and Mount Sinai Health System in late 2020 to support cancer patients by monitoring their vitals at home. So now... Best Buy is acquiring that. And I'm not laughing because uh, this is something to laugh at. I'm laughing because why didn't somebody else do it sooner? Right. Right. Well, I think, well, as you know, because we've worked in, you know, incumbent systems, they can be a little bit gun shy and sometimes unsure of their own analyses. But Best Buy for years has been retailing, I don't know, I don't know if I'd say acquiring, but certainly retailing tons of medical devices or wearable devices. And so to me, this makes sense because when I look at what Current Health does after my cursory review of what they do, it seems like they just integrate, you know, all the outputs, if you will, of probably some of the devices that Best Buy is already working with their customer base to put out there into an enterprise platform that actually makes sense to the provider where you can actually manage their care. You know, another great tool that Best Buy is selling and has relationships with is Tido Care, um, which did a ton of work with them, you know, when I worked for Henry Ford Health System and, and, and working on direct employer clinics using that tool. And so I think, again, it's another match made in heaven and kudos to them. I'll be curious to see, though, you know, who or how Best Buy works with to actually like deliver clinical care, because I don't think it makes sense for Best Buy to actually start hiring doctors or nurses or medical assistants. And so remains to be seen. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think the realization that you don't have to go that way, like Walmart, their health clinics, they're partnering at least with, with specialists. I should say there's a, there's a group of specialties that are there at a health clinic on certain days of the week, but then they're not trying to be a hospital. They're not trying to be the specialty service center. They are trying to focus on the things that are needed the most the things that connect the most and the specialties that are that you're asking about and are most easily taken care of in a walk-in clinic and then referral relationships to get you out into a community specialist if you need them if you need further further evaluation or further treatment so i think that's an important point you just made that that doesn't have to be it seems a component of any of these deals to start becoming a traditional health administrative system and and employing doctors. A lot of these folks have no intention, at least on the surface of doing that. Absolutely. I'm reminded of my entrepreneurship professor in one of the first lectures, he talked about the term theory of the firm, which I don't, I don't even know if I could perfectly explain it anymore, but more or less it says like, it asks the question, why is it that one company just doesn't do everything for everyone in every economy? And the answer is because not, you know, no possible company could be good at everything. And so generally speaking, you know, over all these disruptors that we're talking about today, and we'll talk about what I'm seeing as the broader theme is that the market is starting to split where people are doing what they're good at and coming together, you know, together where they're good at. And so providers remain providers 
you know, connect into fit to CrossFit or connect into Best Buy to then deliver care or Best Buy or, you know, CrossFit is good at bringing community together, rallying people around an idea. And certainly Best Buy is fantastic being the expert on technology and devices. And so again, match made in heaven. Agreed. And I think one part that's interesting in the article that kind of echoes that is when they're talking about uh, the uh, there was an investor call in August. So the CEO of Best Buy, Corey Barry, said it says Barry is really bullish on consumer health and aging where the company has already made some big bets. And it says uh, she sees Best Buy's health strategy is divided into three segments, consumer health, active aging and virtual care. So, you know, what other retailers are out there flat, you know, planting a flag in the ground under the active aging category? That's just intriguing to me. And I think it's one of those things that for the mainstream of healthcare marketing, you know, like what causes waves out there? What do we talk about a lot? What hits my feeds? You know, what's making headlines? It's not necessarily this category, but I feel like it should be more. And I think we're going to see more here. I think that it speaks to this thought of, Latent demand, which I'm learning more about, is is the term for a lot of concepts and topics that I've talked about in the past or brought on guests in the past, where it is a demand that cannot be met by current offerings out there in the market. So it was like Steve Jobs was the epitome of latent demand, you know, bringing bringing an an iPhone or an iTouch into the market and saying, or an iPad, you don't know you're going to need this, but like you're not going to be able to live without it. And so I see a lot of growth there under the active aging category and remote patient monitoring. My guess is just one part of that strategy. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think think what we're going to see through these players getting in the game is there are way more engaged patients than we could ever imagine or we ever thought. What we're going to realize is us as incumbents, and, you know, I had a stake in that game working in a, you know, in many traditional healthcare institutions. We thought our patients didn't really care about their health. You know, the truth is and will be that we just weren't good at engaging them or getting them excited in, in any way that was meaningful. And so I, I'm excited for what all this actually means for health outcomes and for people. We could do a whole episode just on that, how we can easily say within incumbent health organizations that patients just don't care about their health and consumers just don't right. care when it really was the fact that we have made it the most horrible experience <laughs> and we have not made that easy. And we've, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It makes me question whether it's done on purpose I, and we could have a whole episode on that. So I, I will skip the complete conspiracy I, theories. <laughs> I don't think I ever told you this, but I fell rock climbing a week ago, a week and a half. And so my uh, ankle was all busted up and, you know, trying to get in to see ortho. And I'm someone who works in this system, right? Trying to improve the system. We don't realize how terrible the system actually is until us as individuals try it for ourselves, right? And so I finally have an appointment tomorrow. And I suspect... I won't really get what I need out of it. It'll probably just be another referral. So I'll let, I'll let our listeners know. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I hope it's doing better, by the way. I might just go to Fitbit or Best Buy. Sorry, Fit CrossFit or the local Best Buy, see if they can help me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, here's one other option for you. It'll be our next topic or story here, which is Walmart. Maybe oh they're an gosh. option for you too. Which I, so they're not in the Detroit market yet, but... Uh, but interesting. Yes. So this headline uh, was is brand new. The article I'm reading is from Fierce Healthcare. It's by Paige Meinmeyer. It's 
titled Walmart Unveils Employer Market Team Up with Transparent. They've made the announcement about the partnership with Transparent before, but this goes into a little bit more detail about what that means. And I'll just share a little bit about it. It says that Walmart's teaming with Transparent to make it easier for self-funded employers to access its healthcare services. And so what does that mean in particular? Well, it says this is the first time Walmart has made such an agreement to offer its prices on pharmaceuticals and other healthcare services to employers. Why can't they just say prescription drugs? Pharmaceuticals, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) So, uh, So to offer its lower prices on prescription drugs and other healthcare services. Says the partnership aims to allow employers to leverage the retail giant's size and scale to offer more convenient care and cost-effective health and wellness options. Very interesting. What do you think about this one? I actually like this one only because I work in the direct employer space and I love it. It's like a field of dreams in my view. It's still an untapped market. I don't think incumbents or new disruptors have really thought through fully what is possible working directly with the employer who ultimately bears a huge you know, a huge burden in terms of healthcare costs for their employees on what could be done. And so I'm excited about it. And so we're seeing more and more now, you know, all these groups that, you know, jump into the game usually have a direct employer offering. They're usurping, you know, provider networks, usually getting rid of the payer in the middle and just going straight to the employer. And just, you know, for our listeners in case they don't quite get the financial model. And so for self-funded employers, what that ultimately means is that, they basically pay for their own health insurance. So they hold a pot of money and then pay out the claims as they go and use a health insurance plan to help administer it. But they don't actually like buy insurance in the sense that they're using insurance companies' money. And so what that then means is it's often cheaper, believe it or not, to pay a company or a service cash when your employees need XYZ services. And for a lot of for a lot of like low acuity urgent you know, urgent care type of thing or personal medical primary care, it's sometimes usually just cheaper to pay cash because you're you're just taking the money out of the pocket, right? And moving it over. And so that's why this whole direct to employer space is booming and premiums are going up, you know, up the roof for the employer in addition to the employee. And so we're seeing these tons of partnerships. And so what I love about this partnership is transparent comes into the, you know, into the fold, you know, with a lot of executives that have done similar work before or are well-known in healthcare, they're bringing this digital first tool that ultimately connects you to care. And then on the back end, they're partnering with Walmart to like cheapen the cost. And what is one of the biggest costs to employers? Drugs. And so using size, sale, and supply chain prowess to bring down that cost, I think is fantastic. One prediction I would make, I wouldn't be surprised, especially once Walmart Health continues to grow as they continue to open clinics um, in new areas. I don't think it was in the press release, but I wouldn't be surprised if transparent members or transparent organizations contracted with transparent could also potentially use an Amazon, there I go again, Walmart Health clinic, physical clinic, when the acuity level of a certain issue needs is such that they actually need to be seen in person and not through a digital modality. So I think, I think hopefully it'll work and B, I think this is only the beginning of uh, probably a bigger play between Transparent and Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did dig it up a little bit further. It, it does uh, share that Transparent members can access Walmart's prescription benefits as well as care at the company's community centers, uh, clinics, optimals, optical services, and telehealth. According Perfect. to the announcement. So, so you you called it. <laughs> well, and because at the end of the day, too, and, and I think we talked about this, is 
know, COVID made me realize, not that I didn't realize, but I just remembered that like healthcare is still very in, in person. And so no, no virtual telehealth company, they can only go so far because there's only, there's only so many things you can do, right? Through pure virtual. So at some point you need either an on-site or a near-site clinic to that employer so that when employees have occupational health issues, they get injured at work, they're sick, they can come either to the clinic in the office, you know, some big companies have that, or to the clinic just down the street, right? And what does that do? It saves costs to the employer usually, depending on how you contract. But there's other things like it's a great employee benefit. It looks good as employer to say you have this on site. And probably the biggest thing is just absenteeism. Now that employee doesn't have to take a day off because you know, Jared, the doctor's office is like only open between like two and two thirty on every other Wednesday. So there's other benefits too, like absenteeism, they can get in real quick. You know, even if they have to just run down the street, you know, two blocks away, no big deal, they can come back to work. And so it's fantastic. Seriously, I think we should just do this format more often, quite frankly, Zane, because we're gonna keep seeing announcements and we're gonna keep having more, more things to react to and it's gonna keep accelerating. And it's gonna be more, more brands that from the incumbent health system view, they never would have expected. And if we can help, not make it such a surprise, I guess, then I feel like we're doing our job here. But the common thread here to me is just this wake-up call. And we have been talking about it. We've been harping on it for, for years on this podcast. And the thought of you can't just sit still. And oh. there's no reason why in any type of health organization that you can't go on the offensive instead of just sitting there and waiting to be disrupted. Like, there's no reason to do that. Like, spend a little bit of time acknowledging that consumers have more choices. That's what's driving all of this. We can just look at the big tech and we can look at the stumbles that have been made with big tech and and other big players, big retailers, and just fool ourselves into thinking, yeah, see, let's go back to just offering healthcare in the way it was before. And that is not going to get us anywhere. And that's going to drive healthcare into oblivion. It's going to be completely obsolete in its traditional format. So totally agree. Well, I think, you know, what our listeners need to remember is a lot of these companies that are getting into healthcare are, are true learning organizations. And so, and so probably if you're an incumbent, what you actually want is for them to be successful right off the get go. Cause then maybe they'll just stay successful in that little area. But if they fail, which Amazon, Chase Bank, and Berkshire Hathaway did. They failed, apparently. It seemed like Amazon came back with a vengeance because they learned from their failures and now are going after other you know, parts of the market. And so I think we need to be cognizant and mindful of the culture of these companies when making an assessment of them, that their innovation acumen, if you will, and velocity far, far, far um, outweighs those of traditional or sort of traditional healthcare providers and incumbents. And so I guess what I'm getting at is if they fail, they will come back, trust me, with new learnings, new partnerships, and, and probably more importantly, new money that some of us don't actually have access to. So more to come. Great, great way to wrap this up. Innovation acumen. I think that's another episode all in and of itself. And a sure. uh, great place to kind of tie this together. Zane, thanks as always. Thanks for giving us a lot to think about and uh, all the best to you. All the best to you too. Thanks, Jared. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, 
retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we want to capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thank you.